Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. This past Friday was my father's birthday. We got to FaceTime on Friday night. But FaceTime is not the same as being in person, is it? When you have these big celebratory moments, like a baptism, it's good to be together, to go to lunch, to, to have these memories build. But like most people, when you have kids and then you don't live near your parents or your siblings, it's, it's hard to be with each other for those special occasions every year those birthdays and anniversaries, which makes me grateful for things like FaceTime so we can see each other and they can see my children. But it inevitably causes me to be nostalgic, right? To look back on those moments and occasions where we are together for those things or even just for the regular events, for the memories and birthdays and family trips, days at our farm. See, I'm, I'm very close with my father. We, he was the best man in my wedding. Um, we talk at least a couple times a week. My wife and my sister um, will tell you that I'm much more like him than I'd like to admit. Maybe some of you can attest to that. Maybe you had times where you all of a sudden have become your parent and you say, oh no. Just last month, Brianna, my wife, sent a picture of me playing with the kids to our family group message. And based on, uh, I was in the background, and based on my silhouette and my posture, my sister said she had to look at it a couple times to figure out whether my dad was there in Mobile with us or if it was me, which I did not take as a compliment. Yes, I, I love my dad, but, you know, I'm having more and more of those moments where I say something or do something that if my dad were to say it, it would be super cringy. It would create a moment of embarrassment, and I can't help but think to myself, oh no, I'm becoming my father, who I do love very much, other than the bad dad jokes, but the most obvious example of how I'm doing these things um, is there is never an occasion that my dad has met a stranger. He will talk to anyone, whether they ask for it or not, and I hate to say it, but I think I'm somewhat of the same. Whether we're at a restaurant or Disney World, when a stranger walks up, if eye contact is made, it's over. They're trapped, and we're going to talk to them about the things that we think we ought to talk to them about. They're going to get our whole life story more than they might have bargained for, and we might even offer an invitation to join our family for dinner. And that's exactly what this walk to Emmaus sounds like, right? A stranger just walks up, and all of a sudden, they become fast friends. Two people just walking along, chopping it up, talking about things like they've been friends for forever. And then a guy just walks along, and they just joins the conversation. They have such a good time. They say, hey, why don't you stay with us tonight? We got an extra couch. You can just crash on the couch. The obvious difference in this story and any of mine or my dad's is that no matter how much we like to think of ourselves, we know we are not Jesus. <laughs> and these disciples that were walking along had no idea that's who they were talking to. Walking along, and Jesus is right there with them. This appearance by Jesus is one of many that happen 
in the Gospels. All these stories about Jesus' appearance show us about the incredible ways that Jesus shows up after the resurrection. Last week began the season of Easter, and we are now in the 50 great days of Easter Tide. We're going to be celebrating something each and every Sunday here at Dauphin Way between now and Ascension Sunday. Today we have our Mission Sunday, and we're also going to be celebrating things like Senior Sunday, we're going to have Confirmation Sunday, we're going to have Mother's Day, we're going to have so much between now and the end of this season to give thanks for. And as we do so, we're going to read these stories. We're going to be in a series for the next six weeks called Jesus Shows Up, because he does. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is showing up in locked rooms, appearing like a ghost, meeting the disciples by the Sea of Galilee, commissioning them, and eventually ascending into heaven. And as we look at the ways that Jesus shows up in the Bible, we're going to look in our own lives too and ask, how is Jesus still showing up? How is Jesus' appearances, how are they still happening each and every day? But this morning in particular, we're looking at the walk to Emmaus. This long story that we just read, and, and if the Bible was lighter, I might, I, might have not, I might have read it slower. That's a long text, isn't it? Because there's a lot happening here. These two disciples, one of whom is not even named, are walking from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus. And they're walking, talking to each other about all the things that have happened. It's like after you have a, a fun night or a weekend with a family or friends, you go out of town, you do something real cool, and the next morning you're reminiscing about all the events and, oh, this happened, and then we went there. You remember that? Like, oh, yeah, we, we ate at that upstairs, that small joint upstairs, and, and then we went to that awesome garden. Everybody kept falling asleep. And then Jesus was arrested. Yeah, a wild night. It's crazy. And they were walking along discussing these things that have happened, and, and Jesus comes walking alongside them. And he's acting as if it was just totally normal for him to be there. A person who was dead just a few hours earlier. The two disciples, they had no idea. No idea who's walking with them. He nonchalantly asks them, hey, so what are y'all talking about? What's been going on? To which they shockingly respond, have you been hiding under a rock? Did you, did you miss? Are you, they said to him, are you the only person in Jerusalem? who doesn't know about the things that have happened? So he, quite innocently, Jesus says, what things? I love it. What, what happened? Tell me. So they tell him about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a, a powerful prophet. The chief priests and the rulers, they handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we believed in this guy. We thought he was going to be the one that redeems Israel. And it was three days ago that this happened, and some of our women in our group, they went down to the tomb where he was buried, and he wasn't there this morning. It's crazy. I kind of wonder if this had been a random stranger and not Jesus, how they would have received this news. Would they have believed these disciples? Would they have been like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Dead guy came back to life. Cool. Let me keep walking with y'all. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. If I was walking along and somebody gave me a story like that, I might just pick up my pace a little bit. But Jesus, he wants to give them a little more detail that they left out. He gives them some of the behind the scenes information. He says to them, how foolish you are. <laughs> And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. 
didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things to enter glory? And it says, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Essentially, Jesus, on this long walk they were going on, gave them a point by point of how every part of the Old Testament that was prophetic about the coming Messiah was about him. He says, and you remember? And then Elijah said this. And you remember? And then Jeremiah said this. And remember, all these things happened. And as they made it to Emmaus, they stopped at their front door, and Jesus kept walking like he was going on. It wasn't his front door. And so the disciples said, well, hey, we like you. You're real cool. Stay. Stay with us tonight. Come and hang out. Jesus agreed, and they went inside. They sat down to eat, and something amazing happened. Jesus took the bread. Does this sound familiar? Broke the bread. Gave thanks to God. And gave it to his disciples. Just as we say in our communion liturgy every week. Just like happened just a a couple days before at the Last Supper. And when that happened, it switched. The light turned on. They realized, oh my word, this is Jesus. And the moment they realized it, he vanished. It says he disappeared from their sight. They sat there amazed, probably blown away, staring at each other and saying, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was talking and opening up the scriptures? Couldn't we tell something was a little funky? Something was a little different? They got up and they ran back to Jerusalem and said, hey, everybody, guess what happened? And they told all their friends about this incredible experience of Jesus showing up. This is such a rich story. There's so many directions you can go in when you think about what does this text have to say to us today. But but I can't help but being fixated on how it sounds so familiar. Not just the content of their discussion, but the reality that Christ is present in the disciples' lives before they ever even know that he's there. The text says that it was a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to to Emmaus. The average person walks two miles an hour. So for roughly three and a half hours, they're walking with Jesus, not realizing it's him. They invite him to stay at their house, not knowing it's him. They spend all this time in the presence of the risen Lord and have no idea The God is there. This is the personification of what we Methodists call provenient grace. We talk a lot about grace around here. We talk about the salvation we experience through the justifying grace of God. We talk about the sanctifying grace of God that helps us be more like Christ. But before we ever even accept our own salvation, before we say we want to walk the path of straight and narrow, God is already moving in our lives, doing work that we might not even see. Provenient grace is the work that God is doing before we even know who God is. Before you ever accept your own salvation, before your baptism, before anything else happens, God is already there, working and moving. It's simply the the wooing call of the one who loves. Provenient grace are, it's the avenue and the avenues 
that open up our ability to find our faith. It says, 1 John 4 says, we love because he loved us first. And as we say before each time we take communion, he loved us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love toward us. Just like these disciples, we know that Christ is showing up in our lives, and often we fail to see it. It's happening each and every day. And sometimes we take it for granted. It was even happening before we knew what any of it was. Jesus has always been showing up. The provenient grace of God is now and has always been with each and every one of you. Maybe for some... God's provenient grace was working in your life when, when your parents brought you down to be baptized, just as PJ and Stephen did earlier for Tali. They're vessels for God's provenient grace in their son's life. God's grace is working through them on his behalf, just like it might have for you once upon a time. Maybe the provenient grace of God was moving through the invitation your friend offered you to come to church the first time you ever darkened the doors. Maybe the provenient grace of God was there when somebody gave you your first Bible. Before you even opened it up, God was speaking into your heart. Maybe you're driving along and it's a song on the radio. Perhaps it's just that feeling in your heart that you needed something more in your life. And now years later, or maybe days later, you look back as you sit here in church on a Sunday morning and you ask yourself, was not my heart burning inside me this whole time? It was because of God's prevenient grace. I don't know all the different ways God might be working in your life, but I know that God is. I don't know all the avenues for which you have experienced provenient grace, but I know there are plenty. And I also know that just because you might have experienced it before, and just because you have also maybe professed your faith in Jesus Christ, experienced the justification, and you're trying to be on this path, it doesn't mean that God's provenient grace is not still at work in your life. There are plenty of times where God is reminding me all over again that he's here. And has been all along, even though I've been ignoring. There are times when I turn in a direction that I should not, and God is calling me back. There are moments where I lean too much on my own understandings, and I fail to acknowledge Him in all my ways, and I do not let Him direct my paths. When I get to my wit's end, having tried to do it all on my own, and I look up and see that God has been there with me all along, trying to help me, trying to guide me, even sometimes carrying me. That's what uh, the part there at the end reminds me of. All of a sudden, them realizing it was Christ the whole time, it reminds me of my dad. It reminds me that I'm becoming more like him in another way too. Because there was a lot of times when I was a kid that I would try and stay up real late till like 9 o'clock at night. I try and stay up, and nine o'clock's late for a five-year-old, right? I was watching those happy days, reruns, 
learning all about Lucille Ball on I Love Lucy. I have seen them. It was not when they were released, I know. But I was enjoying those late-night Nickelodeon reruns, and all of a sudden, a miracle would happen. I would open my eyes, and I would all of a sudden be in my bed. And my clothes were, were changed, and I was in my pajamas. And there was light coming in from the outside, and it was like a miracle took place. One moment, I'm watching the fawns, and the next, I'm waking up in my own bed. I'm like, how did this happen? I didn't do this. But we all know what really happened, right? My dad had picked me up, carried me to where I needed to be, changed my clothes, tucked me in, made sure I was safe. And now I know that whole experience from a new perspective. I'm once more like my dad because now I know what it's like to be the one who carries. As there have now been countless nights where I pick up August or Bradshaw and take them upstairs and do the same. I realized just how much was really going on when I was a child and my father was taking care of me and I didn't recognize or realize any of it. I was unaware of what was being done for me when I couldn't do it for myself. My dad's care for me and mine for my children is simply a reflection of our Heavenly Father's care for each of us. Just a foretaste of how God is at work in each of our lives, and we might not even know it. How Christ is showing up every day in each of our lives, helping us when we fail, helping us when we can't go any farther, calling us, strengthening us, loving us, and sometimes even carrying us to where we need to be. So I thank God for provenient grace and that Jesus shows up. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.